Welcome to episode 268 of the No Pristinium podcast, the voice of everything immersive, coming to you from the source of everything immersive, the No Pro headquarters, aka the kitchen table here in Los Angeles. This week on the show from the Bay Area, we've got some folks from Dragon Productions Theater Company who are launching their new uh, theatrical game. Uh, We could call it a theatrical game. I think we can call it that, uh, on the Gather platform. The show is called All We Have to Fear, Party at the End of the World. We've got uh, director and producer and head of the dragon, Max Koknar. We've got Ariel Aronica, who's the illustrator, video editor, and director of ops at the dragon. And Jacob Vaporian, who is associate director of the project and the chief technical officer, all of them joining us via the magic of Zencaster. That's not a product placement, by the way. It's just what we used. And it's definitely not a product placement because my voice sounds weird in this recording. A little tinny, don't know what's going on. Zencaster, usually a lot more stable than that, but I apologize in advance for the technical side of it. Um, we'll do a little setup in a moment about the show. Uh, and just so you know, on the back end of this, uh, you're also going to get my fresh out of the box, continuing Oculus impressions, uh, of the quest Two, and just some stuff that's in the zeitgeist seeing, hearing, feeling on the virtual reality front. But before we get into all that, We've got a new backer this week, Deborah Beardsley. Thank you so much. You have brought us up to 348 backers, which means we're just too shy of our next big milestone, which is 350. Um, you know, my birthday's coming up. <laughs> and I'm just saying, all I want for my birthday is two more backers. I mean, obviously a lot more than that, but, but you know, in terms of what I'm asking everyone here. So I know a lot of you already give, so, uh, you know, our regulars. So, you know, please. And I know it's a really, <laughs> it's the toughest year in many a moon, but $2 a month is all we're asking from everybody. And if you can help spread the word about, uh, what the podcast is and does, that'd be wonderful. A few program notes as well before we, oh, hi, hi, this is the part where, I'm supposed to say thank you to our sustaining backers who make all of this possible. Mm, I'm so rude. Our sustaining backers are Mark Baltazar, Jan Budman, Paul F., Lonnie Hansen, Ari Hurston, Sam Kinkin, Samuel Mystery, Sidney Guillory, Jeremy Charles Hahn, Emily Gillette, Brittany, and Elaine. And indeed, you can join them at patreon.com slash no persinium. It's the middle of the day. I should be better at this. Uh, and I'm, and I am fully caffeinated, so I don't know what's wrong with me at the moment. Um, that is the core stuff. Uh, program notes. All right. As you know, as is tradition, and indeed, as is the origin story of No Persinium, I take the week of my birthday off. Uh, I've done it now for the better part of a decade, and it was seven... God, is it going on eight? I don't know. It was... A long time ago, <laughs> I did this uh, with the trip to New York. I, th- I think it might be eight years now. I don't know. I don't want to do the math. Um, no, I think it was seven years ago. Seven years ago. Who cares? It was a long time ago, 
when I did the trip to go see Sleep No More, and then she fell. And it was this upcoming week. <laughs> New York in October is awesome, by the way. Uh, I did not know that when I went on that first trip. And so, you know, a couple of years later, I did it at the same time because amazing. And uh, yeah, uh, I'd love to be there right now, uh, but not this year. So I'm doing a little staycation here in Los Angeles. I'm uh, visiting uh, my, uh, in my imagination, I'm visiting Batu uh, using all the electronic means. I'm going to do some deep diving into Oculus. I'm going to go uh, socially distance, see some people. And uh, I'm mostly just going to do as much unplugging from the social media and the news as I can. Uh, good luck to me. That's not easy. I'm a news junkie. But uh, that is to say, in terms of the program note, why you should care if, if, if the personal stuff doesn't matter to you, because why should it? Um, we're actually going to have a podcast next week. I wasn't intending on it, but uh, because of this episode, uh, that pushed back the what we recorded on Thursday. We recorded this on Wednesday. Uh, uh, what we recorded on Thursday is uh, a finale uh, a, a sort of farewell and finale show uh, for Think Tank Gallery with our good friend Jacob Patterson uh, and uh, the creator of, of the, the, the their last bit of programming in uh, in Skid Row. Uh, I was like, in the arts history. He's like, let's say what it is. It's Skid Row. So yes, Think Tank was in Skid Row for, for about a year, year and a half. Um, and so we, we got into that. And um, that episode is going to probably come out on this coming Thursday. It'll be a day early. It'll be pre-programmed into the channel. There's other stuff as well. Um, there's a feature I'm working on right now. There's uh, the the Oculus Quest 2 guide, which will probably go out this weekend is the hope. Uh, there may be a review or two hitting. So uh, there's material coming. And indeed, I'm going to program the DuckTales stuff in. So I'm scrambling this weekend to get everything set and to make sure that there's programming for next week for you all. There will not be a newsletter. Um, the uh, Everything Immersive site will carry forward uh, and things will get approved. So we're not stopping service, but no newsletter next week. There will be a newsletter this weekend. No Everything Immersive this week, next week, and but this weekend we'll, we'll squeeze it out. Uh, and yeah, um, just stuff. Uh, I was just on uh, Matt Quinn's What's Next show. It's a Facebook live stream show. You can check that out. You can also find it uh, in the, there's a, I believe there's a link to it in the Everything Immersive group. So if you're curious about that, appeared on it with uh, the lovely and talented Caitlin Schiller, uh, who's absolutely amazing. She's uh, she's one of the partners in Spy Brunch, who do the Safe House series, and they've got a whole online thing they're working on. And she's also a performer in The Under Presents, uh, just absolutely delightful human being. And uh, it's, a, it's about a, a good hour's worth of a show. There's a couple of questions from the audience, uh, a kind of a high-level overview. So, um, uh, but, you know... The time with Caitlin's worth it. <laughs> but my part, I'm telling you stuff you already know. The Caitlin part, good. So there you go. So you might want to check that out. And uh, yeah, so just uh, still a ton of content, but no no responsiveness. So my email is going to be set to reping. Uh, Catherine's doing Indicade right now, and she's got projects due. So uh, don't expect fast turnaround from her. I know that... Uh, I know that us going away is like, well, but um, I, we're human. <laughs> and if we don't unplug, if we don't take care of the other things, the whole thing's going to break. Um, more on that probably uh, uh, on a different show. I don't know. Maybe I'll record it in a regular as well. I'm chatty right now. So let's set up this interview. 
So uh, Max and Jacob I've known for a few years now. Uh, I first met them in the context of when they were they were still working with Epic Immersive at the time, uh, back when we were doing uh, the Immersive Design Summit, that co-production between Epic, um, first person travel, uh, and us. <laughs> Sorry, like, but it was like, which of Gabe's things was it? And I think it was actually the, the Adventure Design Group. Yes, it was Adventure Design Group, not first person travel. Anyway, like myself... Uh, uh, Gabe has m- you know many labels that he works under, so it's just it's like records, right? You know, it's like this one's you know, the punk label, this one's the hip hop label. See, it's it's simple. It's it's really simple. You just gotta think like a record producer. I don't know. Point is, Max and Jacob saved our bacon uh, on in the year of the first IDS. Like seriously, we were building sound systems out of their stuff live in the space because the space we were using did not have a sound system that we could use for what we needed to do. So, you know, it's just, it was a, it was a, it was a Saturday morning and we were building, we were, we were, you know, jury rigging sound systems, no big deal. And so I totally fell in love with those guys uh, because you've got to be a certain type of crazy theater tech to be able to pull that off. And they did. And it was great working with them. And Max has been running Dragon uh, Productions Theater Company, which is uh, in the peninsula for uh, a few years now. And as he gets into it, you know, like uh, he's he's taken a step back from doing immersive for a while. And now they're uh, now that everything's gone virtual, they're given a shot. I got to see a take part in a rehearsal uh, the other day. Um, I believe their opening night might actually be tonight. And we've actually got some codes here. If you want to check out what they're up to, let me call that up. That's what I was looking to do. Um, we've got some codes that also be in the show notes. So uh, there's there's a small pool of tickets uh, for this show that for free. So uh, here's your code if you want to try it uh, until they run out. All caps, no pro free easy to remember. So if you want to check this out, uh, and then also, uh, it's, uh, there's also a, a once those run out, there's a, a $10 off, uh, just no pro again, all caps. So I got to check this out. They're using gather, uh, which could be found at gather.town, uh, which is this, um, it's, it creates a environment for people to be able to navigate via a kind of, uh, you know, eight bit era. They kind of, you know, it, it's almost 16-bit graphics, but it's a little bit more like Sega Master System. It reminds me a bit of the Master System. Uh, so a Master System, Genesis, SNES era, uh, kind of RPG-like map that can be modified by the creators pretty easily. Um, and it's designed so that people can, uh, you know, have video chat happening in proximity to each other. Uh, and you can move around the space and go gather up with other people and move from conversation to conversation, a little, a little party environment. So there, and, and Jacob has come along and built an interesting interface on top of that, a wrapper on top of that, that adds some more gaming elements. And there's a lot of potential here. Um, this, this is a new form. Uh, you, I don't think it's fully baked yet, but this is an exciting, an exciting frontier for folks who want to capture that part of immersive that's about discovery in situ that's about the elasticity between audience and performer 
And this is uh, the team's first stab at it. And it's definitely worth paying attention to see how this project is going to evolve, how this, this system they're building is going to mature. All right, so let's get into what it's all about. And we will talk Oculus Quest 2 on the other side. By we, I mean you, you and me. The, yeah, all right. As I, I laid out in the cold open, uh, we're talking with three of the folks from Dragon Productions tonight. Uh, I just got to see a rehearsal for what they've been working on, oh, which, uh, as we noted again in the open, is All We Have to Fear, Party at the End of the World, which is using the Gather... Gather is it Gather Town or is it just Gather? What's I, I've heard it said both ways. It's just Gather, right, Max? It's just Gather. Their just website is Gather.town, but I believe the gather. brand is just Gather. Yeah. Okay, which uses the Gather platform uh, to uh, recreate the the experience of an embodied immersive theater space uh, with characters roaming and narratives unfolding three folks tonight the first voice you heard already and that would be max kochnar i am the director of the project and artistic director of dragon theater also joining us tonight uh the the main video editor and also the illustrator ariel aronica um and i'm also the director of operations at the dragon Fantastic. And last but not least, uh, the chief technical officer for this one. Hi, I'm Jacob. I'm the chief technical officer for this project, as well as the associate director. All right. Uh, so three voices for everyone to track tonight. So just just stay with us on this one. Um, Max, we were talking the other day, just sort of about the the inception of of the project as a whole. And I wonder if you could kind of you know, give us the elevator pitch version of, of that. Like why, you know, in the digital pivot, what sort of your aim is here and, and why you're taking uh, this theater company run, uh, which has been around for a while, uh, into this space? Yeah. Um, the pandemic has been, well, quite the thing. I think everyone can agree with that. And when it happened, we'd been away from, immersive for a little while uh jacob and i've both worked in the past at epic immersive and other companies doing immersive work and when i started working at dragon i've kind of stepped away from that world to help run this traditional black box theater company but when the pandemic hit it was very much like well okay this isn't going to be just two weeks, as people were saying in the beginning. And it became pretty quickly obvious that, like, the solution wasn't to just sit on our thumbs and wait until things to go back to normal. And I started asking the question of, like, what what is theater if we can't be there in person? And one of the things I think that, that you know, in, in my experience that I had done that sort of deconstructed what theater does for us in terms of an opportunity to come together as a community to experience fiction, but through that fiction also like 
have inquiries about what we're going through in our lives and, and, and process things and have these moments of intimacy and all through fiction, that was something that was what theater was to me. And, and, and I was like, how do we do this online and, and take it out of the, take the form out of the medium. And <laughs> it was originally going to be some sort of an ARG thing. And Jacob convinced me to go back and take a look at gather, which was, I think something that I initially shared with them and then forgotten about. And then we were like, Oh, we can like make sort of an embodied thing in this. And we can deal with how we're dealing with this pandemic and all the bullshit of the world right now. So, yeah. Jacob, maybe you could talk a little bit about what gather brings to the mix here. Yeah. So I'm sure a lot of you have been seeing a lot of the Zoom theater that's been produced. And I I have a lot of trouble getting into that, especially with immersive content, because one of my most favorite things about immersive theater is the feeling of being embodied within the environment and the story that's being told to me. And Gather, it sort of brings that embodiment back to this virtual platform. It turns immersive theater into a video game and sort of ties those two parallel, very similar art forms back together by giving us a platform in which we can walk up to someone as an avatar. We can approach their avatar and have a video chat link form between the two of us as we approach. So it's a very, very great uh, platform for creating um, group discussion amongst audience members, which might otherwise be very difficult to moderate in a Zoom setting without, you know, muting and unmuting people constantly. In Gather, you can just grab a couple people and walk over into a corner. How does it, I mean, for people who haven't used Gather yet, how does that how does that work? What are they what are they looking at? What are they seeing? So I would liken it to looking at a retro 8-bit-ish game, like something like the old Legend of Zelda games. It's top down with very low-res graphics, and you are a little character that just wanders around on this map. And we've recreated the inside of a club on this map that you can explore. Um, and as you approach actors or other bystanders, you can see each other and communicate with each other perfectly naturally because you don't have to do anything to open this video chat link. The software handles it for you. Like a little, you get like a little window. It's about, what about like, depending on the size of your screen, it's maybe like an inch, two inches wide. Yeah, they're more, about. Almost more, more picture in picture than central image. Really. Mm-hmm. Correct. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and you might have a number of people at once. I know like that's, that's something that's occurring. I, I'm wondering, well, let's, let's get to some of the, some of the, the, the tricky parts of, of this platform in, in, in a bit here. Cause, cause I'm sure people will be fascinated to learn like what you've learned does and doesn't work so far. Mm-hmm. But Ariel, uh, you know, there's a lot of live video going on in here, but you guys have also, uh, you're mixing pre-recorded vids into the overall atmosphere. So I wonder if you could kind of talk about uh, that aspects of the design. 
Sure. So we're incorporating NPC characters, so non-player characters, um, where you can interact with dialogue and it unfolds uh, different narratives based on the options you choose. Uh, so that's one type of video we have. And then the other type of video we have is just pre-recorded video that is the plot, like the main story unfolding. And it unfolds um, in different areas um, on the platform. Um, and some of the narrative elements tie into where those pre-recorded videos live. Um, but, but it's kind of hard to tell, uh, which videos are live and which videos are pre-recorded. And that's kind of the fun of it. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's definitely, so people, so people know that there's, there's some characters that are embedded into, uh, the, the people who are sprites running around and so there's a couple of characters jacob you play one of those characters mm -hmm. uh and then there's uh there's also literally like static figures that you can go up to and that and you can choose to trigger a video which then leads to that 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 sort of a branching narrative option that you were that you were just talking about exactly uh, and then there's a separate kind of always running feed that you guys call the jumbotron yes uh, and the Jumbotron lives in the top right corner of the screen on the wrapper that Jacob built. And um, it plays circus, a circus performance, like cabaret style uh, entertainment. And we have different sections of the map uh, inside Gather where you can sit privately and watch just the content that plays on the Jumbotron because that's a show in and of itself. Um, or you can choose to engage with the actors or engage with the NPC characters. And either way, you get just different takes on the stories that are unfolding. And they all come together with a really satisfying uh, ending where they all just kind of merge. Jacob, I think that's there's a, there's a point here. And, and Max, I will, I will bring you back into the conversation <laughs> in a second. Uh, but Jacob, uh, you know... Ariel mentioned that you are um, Ariel. See, I told you I was going to do it. Uh, it's okay. That's okay. I told you I respond to anything. So it's okay. Well, no. Then I'll just call you anything. You don't want me to do that, uh, Jacob. Uh, this is not vanilla gather. Like if people come to this show, they're they're not they're getting gather, but it's it's been customized a bit. Exactly. Yeah, we love what Gather's doing with this whole video chat system. And they've given us some great tools that allow us to write our own software that uh, wraps around it. And so I've taken their sort of map and video chat platform and put it inside of something that's very akin to an early uh, MMORPG uh, with you an inventory system and dialogue trees that you can that branch that you can walk your way through and um you you have this jumbotron thing that we like to call it in the top right corner and what that does is it sort of provides a timing sync for the entire show it's our clock that you know everything is sort of about and everything is supported by it's it's a the rapper adds the magic and gather does the brunt work of connecting people face to face. So Max, this is a lot of plates that you guys have spinning <laughs> here and a, and a and a pretty a pretty big palette that you're working with. Uh, 
what's what's the approach here? What's uh, how is how what challenges are you sort of finding in, in working in in with with all these different tools? It's weird, right? I mean, it. We were just chatting with some of the audience members right afterwards before jumping here, and they're like, "We want chapter two. and that was kind of our original plan. This was going to be the, the the prototype and the test of all of these systems, and then we build like a full on story based event off of this, and it was going to be within a month. There are too many plates. Um, it once. Jacob convinced me that we could host something that kind of lived on top of Gather that could create an embodied, embodied storytelling experience. It just sort of became a game of like, what are the elements of, of, of immersive that, that, that we love and that, that make it so special and that make it so... Um, Dense, uh, dense with content, dense with sort of things you can engage with, things that thematically connect, keep connecting you, even if it's not a literal plot tie. Um, and like the thing that I love about immersive, and I think that we miss right now being so isolated still, is multitude of sensory input, which is something you can't do a ton 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 of with zoom theater with online stuff it's mostly visual and aural so there were so many moving pieces of like how do we get people to just like move around even if it's just in their seats a little bit how do we really own the fact that this is a virtual event to an extent that we forget that this is a virtual event because we're not trying to suspend our disbelief. And a lot of that is through trying to take all of these elements, which like we can take only so far without being in person and layering them so that hopefully the, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. And it ultimately like, the technology that Gather has and that Jacob has built on top of it over the last, dear Lord, way too little time um, is awesome. But the magic sauce is still like <laughs> sitting with a group of audience members in a secret room somewhere and watching them discover this like character whom they have witnessed as quite holy and quite dignified discover something incredibly human and gentle and soft and like laughing together um or doing little gestural rituals together and and, and moving together humming together that was like really cool today i hadn't actually experienced that moment or thought it might work but it it's been like throwing spaghetti at the wall to see like what actually works in this virtual environment. If we can add just a little bit of embodiment to it. What for all of you, what have you been finding um, isn't translating so well or, 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 or you're having trouble bringing across. Focus is hard. Yes. Um, um, where, where to focus your, attention at times. And that's something that I think we're working with is, is making sure the timing is right 
between the what we play on the live stream on that jumbotron and what's happening in the actual immersive show. Yeah. Yeah. Like as, as an immersive actor, in addition to being a creator and and, and director, I come from a ensemble movement background. I come from viewpoints and Suzuki and clowning and mime. And there are so many tools that are nonverbal communication that, are so friggin' powerful where you can just place your body three inches to the right and that makes the scene completely change and we don't have that yeah um yeah the the, i gotta imagine like the juggle between the different modes particularly because you can't you can't subtly cue to the audience members where to shift that focus Mm -hmm. Um, exactly not 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 in the moment so much um, it feels like it's more and more it's about uh, the the priming of mm-hmm. the audience and you know what what their what their set setting and expectations are you know mm-hmm. what what it is they're trying to do it's it's really it's been fascinating to watch everybody come into this current era and try and try and go for what immersive and experiential work does well, which is grant either actual or at least a sense of agency to the audience uh, mm-hmm. as a way of engaging them with the world and to like not have the, the core, you know, weapon, which is a live actor uh-huh. in space with a person. And uh, it's, it's not a puzzle I envy anyone trying to solve. It's it's weird. Although like one of the biggest revelations was because I'm a weird mime, physical actor, whatever background, I was like, no, we're going to have like weird gestural stuff that people are going to do along with us. And we had some conversations about it and like whether people would actually play along or not. And it's actually like giving people it is still it's it, at least it still seems really powerful to give people permission to play maybe especially now when everything feels so grim and apocalyptic and even if it makes like very little sense to go okay and now we've got these gestures and they're magic and they're going to make make you feel a little better and it's so weirdly fun to then like watch someone running around and, and on the jumbotron, someone is doing a movement sequence and, and an audience member as they have one hand on their keyboard, moving their avatar with the other hand are like doing the thing. I saw that today. That was really cool. <laughs> um, yeah, we, it's, we live in our bodies and it seems that especially right now, it's even easier to forget that. What for for Ariel and for for Jacob? What has what's been the thing that surprised you that that's worked so well as part of this development process? I was surprised how smoothly all things considered, our devising team was able to pick up on basically building a video game. This yeah. is not our profession. 
None of us know what we're doing. <laughs> and yet somehow, like, we're having effective conversations about delivering art assets and getting them organized in file structures. And I have a dude who's helping me with the code now, who's also an actor, uh, Philip Hoffman. He's playing Adrian in our show. And it's it's so crazy how, like, overnight we basically turned into a video game studio. And I've been seeing this happen with so many different companies. Like my other job is uh, I'm a lighting designer over at DNA Lounge. And as soon as the quarantine hit, they started doing, they turned themselves into like a live streaming TV studio. There's so many people being so innovative in ways to, to in, in how to overcome the distance that this pandemic put between everyone. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, go on. Yeah, I was going to say like the surprise question, like resourcefulness of artists is, I guess maybe not that surprising, but still amazing and astounding given the well, circumstances. It's really, it's really interesting to see all of these things that we we all specialize in outside of theater. Um, I feel like we don't tend to bring in the things that we do outside of theater to theater mm-hmm. um, that often, at least for me, I don't. And so now it's kind of interesting to take these things that I never thought to do in a theater setting um, and apply it and and have people interact with things like my illustrations interacting with them like they're items. Um, it's just something that I've never thought. I don't know. And I know that doesn't really sound like a theater thing, but now it is. And they're kind of crossing boundaries and it's really weird. Um, but I think that's what fascinates me the most is just seeing how talented all of these people are that we're working with. Yeah, that's one of the things that's always been interesting to me about immersive and experiential is that it brings it brings more of the world into the theater space. And yet mm-hmm. at the same time, you know, theater is supposed to be about life, right? I think one of the one of the things that's so exciting for theater artists working in in our part of the field is that you're no longer bound by the canon rules. You're no longer bound by, well, but this is just what's supposed to go inside of a black box. Um, you can you can bring anything in, provided you can, you know, make it safe, make it sane, and and, and make it not, you know, utterly destroy the company. <laughs> expensive, right? It's like, what do you mean we can't have five llamas? It's like, no, you can't have five llamas. Unless but you if people space, can pet the llamas! If you've got enough space, then, you know, and you got the budget, then you can have the llamas. But you need the space in the budget. Um, yeah. Uh, it's, it's, um, it is, a, it's still kind of like a wild time for experimentation. And there's, there's a lot more crossover, I think, going on there already was so much crossover happening, but like now it's almost like the only thing we can do are the crossover projects. So talk to me a little about, you know, the, the gamification of it all, like making a piece of game theater and balancing that out. It's kind of an opportunity. I mean, like the circumstances are shit, but it's kind of an opportunity because like what you were just saying, Noah, uh, the limitations that we tend to impose upon, and now I'm going to like go back to more of a traditional theater mindset and background, uh, which is where I've been spending most of my time recently. There is a lot of limitations that we place on what theater can be that are based on a notion that is only about a hundred years old. And as you go further back, it used to be a more umbrella art form where 
you know, theater and dance and song and all of the performing arts and all of the things that go into all of the performing arts, ultimately are theater because it's things happening in real time, telling a story. And I feel like with these crossover things, we're once again forced to just throw out a lot of the preconceived rules that aren't necessarily real rules. Like, I'm sorry, sitting in a black box room with everything darkened with no outside attention, that's Wagner. That is no longer than a hundred years old. And a proto-Nazi said, hey, I want total theater, so I can't have audiences talk, right? And that was one of the biggest things that really excited me about immersive theater when I discovered it, I guess. And like my way into theater was also Renaissance festivals and mime and clown and like weird, non-typical stuff. So when I discovered immersive, I was like, oh, this is how we can like break out of that box. And now that we have really no option of doing things in the, even for, you know, immersive, there's, that stuff's expensive. So there's very safe models that people have begun falling back on. It, the industry's been around long enough for that, that none of those works and we have to reinvent. And for us, for Dragon, it was like, well, pandemic's here. So maybe we were going to be on, you know, a five-year plan to do immersive so that our subscribers weren't terrified. Well, now it doesn't matter because we can't do our usual season. And there is still 5 million artists who are out of work who like still want to create. And again, that brings me back to like the resourcefulness of artists um, and the opportunity that is now, I guess, because we have, we're desperate. What do we have to lose? Yeah, that was another thing we were talking about the other day. Uh, like the bulk of our, of our call, I think mm. it was about just finding ways for artists to get paid and for things to be viable right now. Yeah. I mean, we're so ready to give up as, as, as an industry and all hope's not lost. And like, it's going to be another year before we can all safely be in person. That's what it seems like. And who knows what happens in November? Go vote. Um, but we ought to find a way because the alternative is artists leave the industry and we don't have artists anymore. Ariel? Um, yeah, no, I was going to chime in where, you know, I feel like the dragon itself has had a bit of a tonal shift mm. in the past couple of months where mm. before, I want to say before it was very much like, oh, the pandemic, oh, the pandemic, how are we going to get through the pandemic? And now we're really exploring this idea of how can we bring some traditional, some traditional elements of theater into the immersive world too. So what we're building right now is kind of this really cool hybrid thing where if you are a person who is super used to going into a theater and not talking to anybody when you go in and just watching a show, you can do that if you want to. Alternatively, if you want to engage with the actors, you can walk up to actors and and have conversations and be part of the story. Um, and, and I guess now the way I look at it and the way we've been looking at it is it really is an opportunity um, to explore this live video game slash performance. And it's been 
oddly fun and a bit of a relief in such a stressful time. Yeah. And like, can we use the necessity that is the mother of invention right now to invent some shit so that when we go back to operating in person again, I mean, the reality about the dragon before the pandemic was that for most of our productions, we did six to nine a year an actor would come in and this isn't any different than most black box theaters. An artist would come in for a stipend pre AB five of like 300 bucks put in 20, 40, 50, 60 hours a week for 10 weeks for 300 bucks. And the excuse was, well, I only have 65 seats and this costs this much, this costs this much, the building costs that much. Like I can't pay artists. I don't want to go back to a reality where that's, that's, that's the situation again. Um, and if we can find some ways where we can exist virtually, it's never going to be the same, but maybe there are options that we keep when we go back to being in person that can keep paying artists equitably <laughs> because like there is so much of a power dynamic in the immersive world, in the traditional world, just in whatever art form that unless you have privilege, you don't necessarily get to work in the arts because it doesn't pay enough. It costs too much. It takes years and years and years and years of sacrifice before you can even get to a place where you can think about making a living off of it. And that it shouldn't be, be the reality. Yeah. It, it used to be, you know, a little, you know, go back, go back, you know, 25, 30 years ago. Um, so, you know, back to when I was still a teenager, like I was, mm. I was, it wasn't less a conversation. It was more, I was like, you know, a friend was talking about when this is like 20 years ago, a friend was a little more than 20 years ago. A friend was talking about how, when he first moved to Los Angeles, you know, he lived in, he lived in Hollywood and he was doing a job over there, you know, the other day. And he lived in the part of town where like, you know, the aspiring actors and the aspiring, you know, rockers would come and it was cheap. You know, it was like, it was like 400 bucks for an apartment, you know, it was like, it, which, you know, in those days was still like not all that cheap, but now places are going for $2,000, $3,000. Mm -hmm. And so in, in any of these places where any of these media capitals, right, like Southern California, New York, the Bay Area, which the Bay Area has managed to become a media capital, like it always wanted to be, and it managed to do it thanks to thanks to uh, tech. Yeah. Uh, but it is so prohibitively expensive to to live there. So if you're going to be competing on that stage, you've you've got to already have a lot of money just to like survive at all. Um, and we have yet to see we've yet to see the means of production be democratized enough. Uh, and even when they are, you still see people congregating, right? So like even like the life cycle of, say, a YouTuber, they still wind up going to one of the big cities. They still wind up, you know, and, and living one of those like hideous collaboration houses that they make. Um, and so there's still that trajectory, but they're starting in Peoria and they're starting their work in Peoria. And then they then they come through and they they already have some level of financial stability by the time mm -hmm. they make it. And right now with everyone sort of trapped at home which is not entirely true but you know for when it comes to we should be <laughs> yeah we should be but we're not but we should be uh but a lot of like you know the the you know 
creatives and white collar workers, you know, mm-hmm. working from home. And the, the, the bit of the playing field's uh, a, a little bit, a little bit leveled again, at least for people who have table stakes. Um, and mm-hmm. something interesting happening in San Francisco right now. I know you guys, not all of you are in San Francisco. Maybe none of you are actually physically in San Francisco and they're in the Bay Area. Uh, I guess they're going to start experimenting with, um, and I don't know how big this program is, but they're going to experiment with like a thousand dollar a month UBI for artists. Uh, That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, It's 130 artists though. Yeah. Yeah. It's a tiny, it's not not even the size of like Stockton, I think was doing some UBI Mm -hmm. a few years ago, like at, at a, at a bigger scale than that. Yeah. Um, It's awesome. It, yeah. it really is awesome, but especially in San Francisco where, I mean, rent has dropped 30% since the beginning of pandemic. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Cause a thousand, you only need uh, two roommates rather than five. Four. Exactly. Yeah. 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 It's like, Oh, a thousand dollars a month. Great. That's a third of our rent. Wonderful. We can, you know, <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, there's, there's, there's this, there's this larger structural change that needs to take place in, in the society. And uh, I mean, speaking of the Bay area, right. We, we work with folks from all over the Bay. We did before the pandemic and it's allowed us to even more. So like the, all we have to fear cast, there's rolling outages right now and in the Bay area. And we have, one person in Marin, one person in Richmond, one person in Hayward, one person in Santa Cruz, one person in San Jose, one person in Palo Alto. If we lose power somewhere, someone's going down. But the dynamics of the economics just in the Bay Area are fascinating, where, you know, most people were... uh, The Dragon is based in Redwood City, which is in San Mateo County, which does not have reliable public transit. So, for example, once we went online, uh, we used to have a talent night uh, called uh, Live at the Dragon, which is centered around uh, hip hop artists, uh, dancers, MCs, rappers, um, and other talent from around the around Redwood City. And like folks could literally not get to the theater to perform because of Caltrain's bullshit. And there's a democratization that happens when we're like, well, no, we're going to get on a Zoom call. We'll work with you to get your tech just right. And you can be in... We we started bringing in artists from Ghana, Africa into the same talent night. And just folks who don't have access because of the physical thing. It's for artists. It's for audiences. I used to work at children's theater company that went under some years ago. They used to go do shows in Lompoc in Weed, California. When they went under, there is no more children's theater in those towns. And if there are some options, right, that, that, that we don't just, deny outright because it isn't in person because it isn't theater then like access can mean a different thing than what we've talked about because people who live in san francisco who live in you know oakland who are brilliant artists can't afford to come to the dragon (laughs) because they don't have a car oh yeah i mean that was my experience at right after college 
uh-huh. you know, I graduated SF State. I didn't have a car. Didn't have a car for a couple of years there. And I, or even like while I was in college, like I wanted to work with companies. I wanted to work with Impact Theater. I, I, the, the original founders of Impact Theater all went to my high school. Like I knew every single one of them. They had directed me in shows and I wanted to work with that company. And I, I couldn't even work behind the scenes stuff because the 68 did not run past six o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the AC transit didn't go. So that was it. I was stuck. I couldn't pursue. And, uh, you know, I, you know, that, that level, that, that being there cut are off. So know? many artists were excluded from the conversation just for that simple reason. It's not something that even makes the larger, like what's happening in the arts conversations. And it's, been a problem it's just been exacerbated because now we're further stuck at home or whatever like yeah 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 so it's this is an attempt to push back against that to find an alternative i guess so that we can embody without being in person and there is so much lost but what can we gain because again like the world sucks right now we we just we have to find the silver linings and we... this, oh, go, go oh sorry. For. And this experience has been a silver lining uh, for me, for me at least. Like before, I started participating in things with the dragon. Um, it, it was really tough, you know. It was the beginning of the pandemic, and as we've gone on, and we started working on the lore, and we started doing stuff, I found myself actually having fun. Um, and I haven't had fun in a while, and I think that's really also what this is about. Is how can we have fun again? How can we connect with each other and bring something fun and interesting and different um, and and help keep people entertained? Um, yeah. Well, speaking of which, tell us a little about before we before we head out into the into the night and, and I want to get you guys you know back because you're you're opening in a couple of days. I'm sure there's plenty to do. Uh, tell us a little bit about the story you have cooked up here and the world you're building. Jacob, you want to take this one? <laughs> I, I was about to say too. Jacob, you've been quiet for a while, and this... <laughs> let's see if I can maintain a coherent train of thought. You can do it. Uh, I believe in you. You've got this, Jacob. All right. So yeah, th- this is the this story tells the beginning of something really, really big at the end of a long time of other really really big things it's sort of a rehash on the idea of a creation story and like if you if you're familiar with american gods and what neil gaiman did with that mythos we kind of created our own pantheon and then imagine what would happen if we brought these beings into our day-to-day life so instead of gods in our world the uh i i don't know what a good word for it is but everything else is ruled by feelings like human feelings personified they have their whole own world that is connected to ours by 
this bridge that my character and another character are in task are tasked with uh, protecting and moderating the flow of emotions and back and forth from earth to their own world. And you come into the moment, you, you come into the picture during a sort of almost a, a, a trap being set for one of these, one of these unearthly beings. Uh, the one that I'm working with to be precise. Uh, another creature from who has heritage from this other world has set up this party to trap this being. And you, you sort of get swept up in the ensuing chaos of it all. All right. Yeah. And there's a, go ahead. No, no, please. Max. Oh, I was going to say, yeah. And there's a, there's a little bit of an A plot and a little bit of a B plot and, it all kind of hopefully sets up maybe an episodic structure where we keep getting to explore this idea of like, when we talk about what we do and why we do it, are we acting with logic? Are we acting with emotion? Should we maybe become more aware of the emotions that drive us to do the things? And so on and so forth. (laughs) There might be some thinly veiled allegory inspired by our times in there. <laughs> hard like... for not, yeah, hard for not to sleep in. So that's <laughs> true. All right, yeah. Well, you've got production, and uh, we're doing this one on the late side, so uh, I'll, I'll I'll hold this there. Um, keep me in a loop. Keep us in a loop on how it goes, and uh, and yeah, like uh, it's definitely a strange new world that has uh, such people in it. So indeed, indeed. Oh, Thank and, you and, so and, much. And, yeah, it is late enough that I forgot to say things. Uh, if people want to check out uh, the dragon and want to check out the show, uh, where should they go? See, this, this is the this is that critical part of it. <laughs> ah, yes. Right. How do they find you? Ugh, it is late enough. I'm just <laughs> visions of Baby Yoda dancing in my head. There's also like four of them right here, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, <laughs> now I'm distracted by pictures of Baby Yoda and want to go maybe watch <laughs> oh. The Mandalorian as a break. Um, I'll send you some baby yoda pictures i got tons um love me the animatronic the animatronic one arrived yesterday so uh, oh the 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 furby one (laughs) don't call him that he does does kind of look furby-ish now that i think about it okay let's not use the f word anymore (laughs) when talking about one of my eight children so um Yeah, uh, that's the actual the actual count right now too. So, how oh, do we bye. find? Uh, how do we find more coming? How do we how do we find the show? How do we find you guys? Um, Dragonproductions.net is the Dragon's website. You'll see us on the front page there, or if you want to go straight to the ticket link, bit.ly capital P capital E capital W capital T I X pew ticks like party at the end of the world. Or like party and world. Nice. And I think those are the links. Dragonproductions.net, bit.ly, uh, Putix. All right. Jacob, Ariel, Max, thank you all so much for spending some time with me right after the show tonight. It was so nice to talk to you again, dude. Thank you for having us on. Yeah, it's always yeah. great to chat. Yeah. Thank no, you. 
yeah, Jacob, you and I, we, we should catch up. So <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> there's all, there's all of that too. So all right, another guys. Disneyland day when that's all uh, possible again. Ah, yes. Disneyland. I'll tell you something about that uh, as soon as I stop recording. So, uh, oh dear. Yeah. No, no, no. Good, good stuff. Good stuff. Okay. okay. <laughs> Once again, I want to thank Jacob, Ariel, and of course, Max. You can check out the project at dragonproductions.net. That'll lead you there. Also, if you go onto the Everything Immersive site and uh, type in all we have to fear, you will find it there because that's where we built everything immersive. What do you know? Uh, what, what a wonderful <laughs> what a wonderful concept. Um, yes, go on down and visit Netflix on Mars, as someone has recently described it as, and I'm stealing that, and it's mine forever. Uh, so yeah, uh, check it out there uh, or go directly to dragonproductions.net. Uh, and indeed, uh, yeah, actually, yeah, Go check out Everything Immersive because uh, you will find tons of stuff there right now. Uh, and it just keeps on growing and growing and more and stranger all the time. I promised you some Oculus Quest 2 discussion. Now, let's put some caveats here as we tend to do. And indeed, it probably makes it difficult for, you know, our friends at Oculus to be like, hey, look at how, look at them talking about us. So I, Oculus is owned by Facebook and um, any given day you open up the news. If you open up the news and you see like there's shenanigans at the highest level of Facebook and by shenanigans, I mean like, oh my God. So uh, really just distressing stuff all the time. And I always open with that because we, we must acknowledge it. Uh, we also need to acknowledge the, um, the impact that seems to be happening right now, which is uh, there's, just a ton of people have gotten their hands on the Quest 2. There's a lot of activations of the hardware and anecdotal reports, anecdotal reports are coming in right now that the the sales on software, the sales on games and other stuff for the Quest 2 is is just beyond what the bump for Quest 1 was. Uh, I've seen it tweeted out that it's, you know, life-changing sales. Will that bear out after this opening weekend, will these anecdotal reports coming in from, you know, industry insiders and reporters, uh, will the numbers bear it? Don't know, but that's the buzz right now. And uh, we do know that they prepared a lot of hardware and they prepared a lot of hardware at a price point that is attractive to people. So there is a ton, a ton that is going right about this. And there's also some stuff that long-term structurally, particularly around Facebook and privacy, we're going to have to deal with. I recommend if these issues are important to you, and they should be, check out the work Kent Bai has been doing consistently over at the Voices of VR on this podcast on the subject and in his Twitter stream. Kent is just comprehensive. <laughs> comprehensive. That is the word for Kent Bai. He is comprehensive on these topics, and uh, I know I need to engage more deeply with the work Kent's done. Um, because trying to keep swimming uh, with everything, whew, again, cut to why, why I'm going on vacation. But I want to also talk about the experience of this because it is undeniable, cannot be denied, that the core hardware here on this new iteration of the Oculus Quest, 
which now is the device that Oculus sells because it is intended both to be the standalone and intended to be the thing that gets plugged into PC VR, um, uh, the way that that part of the Oculus library manifests. This is, in terms of the headset, with, with one little exception, uh, in terms of the headset, this is the best it's been yet when it comes to this type of device that I've dealt with. I don't have the Elite strap yet. That's something I did order uh, the, the battery pack because I knew I was going to spend a lot of time in it. Um, and it's using kind of the way the Go strap was. It's like a flexible fabric strap. And I thought that was going to be like not as great uh, as the Oculus One. I was like, oh man, they're back to that mode. Nah, dog. Like this is good. Like this is just, this is the best headset I've had on my face. It's light. It's comfortable. Like 70 grams makes a hell of a lot of difference apparently when it comes to, um, uh, VR headsets. I'm sure there's other things that 70 grams is a, is a big difference on. Um, and just, just the fit, the finish, um, the way it rests on the face, the, the amount of light coming through, uh, the foam, all that stuff. Uh, so good. The field of view is still basically what it was before. Uh, but I swear that the, that the, the lenses are closer to the eye. So it's, it's a, it's a better feeling experience. There's a little bit less boxiness to it all. I do look forward to the day when we get a bigger field of view. Uh, I think that's also going to change a lot of things in terms of the way the software is made. Um, there's there's a lot to love about this, particularly around the weight. Um, the things, the, the one thing that I'm not a massive fan of at the moment is I think that, you know, one of the things that's cool on the original Quest is the way the the onboard sound works if you don't plug in headphones. And it's these two uh, kind of speaker holes on either side of the headset uh, that feed into the ears. Um, I feel like the placement on these is not as good. Um, for some reason in Supernatural, which is the thing I use the most in VR, uh, it's the, when we go into the workout, the uh, coach track is a little tinny. Just, I don't know why. It, ne- it hasn't sounded like that to me in some time. I've also been using... Oculus's um, uh, earbuds. I got I got the ones, and and those were done so like a, there was a headphone jack on either side, and it was independent to create like a a cable free fit. Um, that is not how this one's set up. So annoyingly, whereas all the software works <laughs> from from Oculus Quest One, which I think is really important. Like this is we're basically in a in a phone model now when it comes to this type of console. Right. Uh, Indeed, I think all console gaming, uh, including mobile phones and um, and, and, you know, actual under the TV, under the tree, under the TV consoles are going to this idea where generations are barely a thing now. It's just something's going to run better on the hardware. And that that's because of phones. Phones have done that to the game development market. So uh, the software all runs, but the peripherals aren't compatible basically. So those earbuds aren't going to work, um, which can be annoying, particularly if you bought those earbuds a few months ago, right? Uh, you need a different type of headphone, but it will take a standard headphone. The, the other one would too, right? You could use a standard, standard headphone on it. You could use standard earbuds. 
Uh, they do have some Logitech ones you can get uh, that have some like little clips and whatnot in order to fit better. And, you know, we, we may wind up seeing how that does in terms of the experience of sealing yourself away into another world. But right now, uh, other than that, the other thing I've got, and I've mentioned this because I've done a couple of videos now. I did an unboxing video and you got my original impressions of literally as I was taking it out of the case. Uh, plastic all first first encounter and you also got a video after about an evening of, of playing around with it uh, the new controllers are interesting <laughs> um, there's aspects of them I think are much much better uh, and some of those things that are much much better though are in conflict with uh, with what made the old controllers so good uh, Supernatural, as I mentioned, I, I use a lot. You wouldn't tell because it's not like I lost a bunch of weight. Um, but that, that has more to do with lockdown than anything. Um, <laughs> Supernatural, um, the controllers, the old controllers were textured. The old controllers were pretty, uh, the, the tops of them were s slim enough. The new controller, the you know, it used to be that you could have your thumb kind of under if you needed under the, the, the control surface. Now they've widened the top surface so there's a clear spot for your thumb to rest. There's even a little bit of textured spot for like where you're supposed to grip the controller with your thumb. I haven't adjusted to that yet. And there are times when that, that top disc is just so wide that it, it presses into the palm of the hand, particularly if I'm in grip mode and I'm, I'm swinging around those bats. It's just a little too wide. Like, I want to take the diameter down a sconch in order to create um, a, a closer grip, right? Uh, the, the controller at that part of the hand where it's coming through on the index finger, uh, it just feels like it's trying to push itself out of my hand. And when you're doing really vigorous baton moves, bat moves, you're striking things like your night, like your Nightwing. Um, it it's distressing to feel like that's happening, and you can even see when you grip it. You know, in the old controller, you know your tr your finger came all the way across the trigger, uh, and now at least with my hands, and my hands are you know they're, they're like a medium large. They fit it. They fit in a large glove. They can fit in a medium glove. It's a little, little tight. Um, the the index finger kind of doesn't feel like it gets all the way around. I don't know. Like it's it's funky. I, I just I just adjusted my grip a little bit, but I just it feels like something I have to work at. Again, I may get used to this over time, uh, but I keep on talking about it. And just like the 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 cup uh, is sort of cantilevered, so it's kind of squishing down. I just think. Um, I do not expect this iteration of the touch controller to survive to the Quest 3. Um, and indeed, it is sort of sad that like I'm already looking forward to the Quest 3. I'm looking forward to the next iteration of the touch controller. I'm looking forward to a wider field of view, which I hope they give on the next one. But in terms of visually what's going on with this thing, in terms of how things are playing, ooh, I put things through their, play, through their paces. I've spent a, a good, uh, as much time as I could in the setup at the moment. And it's just really impressive how much sharper everything is. There's, there's no discernible screen door effect anymore. 
Um, there's just a, a good depth of field. I think the 3D effects are coming through uh, more sharply than they were. There's a lot of little 3D effects in terms of text and things like Beat Saber that used to be you know, negligible. Now I'm getting the vibe off of them. Um, that just snaps through better. Uh, a game like Path of the Warrior, which is a lot of fun and I want to play with somebody, but was also slightly nausea-inducing in the original on the Quest 1. It's playing a lot smoother. Frame rate matters when it comes to VR in a way that's even more key than precision competitive gaming. Frame rate's everything. Um, There's there's still a few things. Um, The... uh, I don't know why... You can't just dismiss the big UI interface. If you've launched a title and then come back out of it, you get just like a little kind of, uh, you know, menu bar type action with the title to kind of quickly get back to. But if you're if you're not in that mode or when you first load in, you can't just dismiss the big window and enjoy the the home environment that they've given for you because those home environments they've built which is the core ui interface are gorgeous and there's more of them there's like a cyberpunk city one now which is where i'm like living quote unquote and all i want i don't all i want out of a social experience is to be able to invite people over to that home environment and for me to be able to customize it a little bit and I know they're working on Facebook Horizon, et cetera. But like, I just, I got to say, I, I don't necessarily think that was the right choice. Uh, particularly not because Horizon looks like it's got a lot, of, uh, it, it's somewhere between Rec Room and Alt Space. And we've got Rec Room and we've got Alt Space. And what we, what we need is we need uh, a place of our own. But we'll see. Horizon hasn't launched yet, which is actually kind of weird. It's still in beta. And the device is out. Maybe it'll be out by Christmas. Um, maybe... Maybe it won't. Um, it's still a, a very, there's still some weird stuff in the ecosystem when it comes to stuff like that. There's been some problems with people, uh, you know, merging their or creating new Facebook accounts to use with Oculus because now I got a Facebook account and people getting, some people are getting locked out. That that may not have been very widespread, but it happened. And of course, if, if a small number of people have something happen to them and, and they go on Reddit, it becomes a very big issue. But still, the kind of thing that is, you know, um, it's an own goal. Like it didn't have to be that way. Uh, Facebook's trying to keep a lot of like fake accounts from going into the system right now, right before an election. They're also trying to make people buy their hardware and people are going to start new accounts. Um, this desire to control all the data, to know everything, to have a perfect psychographic profile of you so that they can, you know, tell you exactly what you want to buy on eBay. Uh, or, you know, show where the, uh, where the sneakerheads have gone and used bots to buy the video cards you want to build uh, a PC with, both of which are what are in my feeds these days. Um, you know, really, is it, is it worth all this pain and suffering for better ads? It's not, all right? Particularly when we've got revenue streams here that are good, <laughs> Right. Uh, I I would just kind of like appeal and implore. Uh, I, I'm I'm not ready to throw out the baby with the bathwater yet when it comes to the existence of Facebook. There's there's going to be something like Facebook. There there has been before Facebook, and indeed, if Facebook can't 
get it together, there'll be something after Facebook. And yes, ads are a big part of that, uh, but there are these revenue streams. There are these ways of making money. There are these things that support a creative environment and support great production uh, that aren't just a matter of trying to sell us garbage and, uh, you know, let people do like false political advertising, right? There's a better way forward. And, and I would hope, I would hope that the excitement around Oculus, right? This is where my naivete kicks in. So please, you know, feel free to scream at me about this. But like, here's, here's why I haven't just completely just thrown up my hands in disgust. Oculus and the success of Oculus and what we demand as Oculus users could help shape which way that company goes. Um, Sometimes we're going to be able to use our influence as consumers of Oculus, as producers of Oculus content, as critics of Oculus content, uh, to to shape it uh, in a subtle way. And sometimes we're going to have to be blunt and uh, just you know do some overt things. I think that right now, because consumer VR is functionally, unless you're willing to invest in about you know, two or three thousand dollars worth of PC equipment, including an uh, you know a Valve headset. Going to go for the index if you're going to go at all. Um, because of that, this this area here of like, you know, holding Facebook accountable for how it treats the Oculus ecosystem and how it treats Oculus users and what it's doing as a company beyond, right? Uh, Facebook wants to be ubiquitous. Facebook wants to be everywhere and Facebook wants to own this metaversal layer of the internet. But if they're gonna be the folks who get to spin up the frontier of the digital web and sell us the tools to explore it, they're going to need to find out that part of the whole point of the web and the metaverse and the digital future that we want is some of that self-determination and that accountability from the corporations and the freedom to make a better world, right? And we're not going to go quietly and we're not going to disengage, but every time we praise the thing, oh, that's the other thing. Uh, the cameras are the same, and you know the the tracking cameras, and kind of the same spot. And like they got this better tracking cameras, guys. Like seriously, like I know you didn't, you know, keeping things consistent, but like I'm still losing stuff. So you gotta next next iteration. Those are the two things: field of view and better tracking. Because come on, um, I know it's a year of year thing, but like seriously, uh, yeah, we're, we're gonna we're gonna keep on holding you accountable. We're gonna keep on demanding better kit and better better practices as a business, as ethical people in the world. And again, that said, still no better tool for exploring right now, right? And until, and, and you know, Valve isn't really, Valve and HTC, they're not really dropping into this space. Samsung really feels like they've burned themselves out with everything they did already, particularly around the phone stuff, uh, which they did with Oculus. I don't see them getting super excited about creating standalone materials. 
Microsoft, you know, Xbox is just not interested right now at all until it becomes mature. They're taking a very Apple stance. And Apple, Apple won't jump into a market until it's mature enough that they can charge a premium for hardware and then give you a bunch of software for free. Like that's what they do, right? Like their their business model is slightly changing with their TV stuff, but that's what they know how to do. And they're not gonna they're not gonna jump in until it's it's really necessary and has a lot more to do with how people are transacting in the real world, right? That's what Apple's interested in right now. Um, even though gaming makes them a lot of money, they're they're never a gaming company. That's never their obsession. They're much much more interested in having premium hardware experiences. So that's what's up with that. Um, that's really scattered. <laughs> Apologies. It's a lovely piece of kit. I really enjoy using it. I hope if you got one that you enjoy using it too. If you've got a bunch of problems with the way things are going, you don't want to jump in. I completely understand, and I'm not going to chastise you. I'm not going to we'll be over here having fun. I'm like, no, no, it's it's cool. Just know that like there's 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 a lot there's a lot going on, and it's it's only going to get more exciting. And hopefully, uh, hopefully a, a you know, a bigger field is going to emerge as well. All right. That's enough of that. I've still got more to record today because uh, trying to put everything away before going on break. So uh, like I said, another episode of the podcast next week. I keep on promising the DuckTales stuff. I'm really going to put it up. Uh, so there's things that are consistent. All that will go through. Uh, stuff will crank out into the world. I'll probably have to like actually like push buttons to make things happen and publish so I won't be completely unplugged. But I'm going to set up all the work ahead of time. Uh, <laughs> the mods are watching. If you're in our social spaces, you're not alone. Uh, the cats are not actually away, uh, but please, mice, do try to play. And uh, yeah, I don't know what to tell you, except let's do the credits. Sustaining backers of No Persinium are Mark Baltazar, Jan Budman, Paul F., Lonnie Hansen, Ari Hurston, Sam Kinkin, Samuel Mystery, Sidney Guillory, Guillory, Jeremy Charles Hahn, Emily Gillette, Brittany, and Elaine. The music for No Persinium is by Chris Porter of the Speakeasy Society. Find everything we do at nopersinium.com and everythingimmersive.com. On the Facebook group, Everything Immersive, in the No Pro Slack, and on Twitter, at no proscenium and at Instagram at no underscore proscenium. I'm Noah Nelson. The executive editor of no proscenium is Catherine. Yu. the developer of everything immersive.com is Chris. Gra- yeah. Chris Grimm. There's another Chris with a G name. Oh God, Chris, I'm so sorry. Uh, is Chris Grimm. There's a, there's a guy named Chris Grapp. And I was like, why is that in the brain? Don't make it happen. So there you go. Chris Grimm is our developer. And until next time, thank you for wearing the mask. Mm-hmm.